Welcome back to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for being with us. This edition is made possible by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, and we are happy to have with us once again from Sweden, consultant and publisher of The Dispatcher, Michael Senna. Hi, Michael. Good morning, good afternoon. Pleasure to be here again. Well, another very worthwhile edition of The Dispatcher is out. We've had the chance to speak with you already about the ITU Future Networked Car Symposium, and we'll get to more from the latest edition shortly, but this is kind of tied into it. An organization called the Future of Life Institute this week published an open letter asking authorities around the world to stop or take a pause in making further developments in artificial intelligence in order to put adequate controls in place to prevent AI from getting out of control. One of the signatories to the letter was Elon Musk. Your April issue begins with a statement by Musk during Tesla's Investor Day on this subject. And Missy Cummings, who was the keynote speaker in your session on AI during the FNC Future Networked Car Symposium, has posted some comments on this as well. Now, in the dispatcher, she discussed AI in the automotive context in depth. What can you tell us, Michael, about this growing debate? Okay, what I'd what I'd like to do is is to, to provide some background so that we're we're all on the same page. And I'm gonna start with Max Tegmark. Max Tegmark is a Swedish professor of physics at MIT and a TED Talk celebrity. Maybe you've heard him, maybe you've seen him, but he makes science understandable. He's a little like Carl Sagan. Tegmark and a few of his colleagues are founders of the Future of Life Institute, which they set up in 2014 with support from Larry Page, Steve Wozniak and Elon Musk, among others. Its mission is to keep artificial intelligence beneficial. It's the Future of Life Institute that's behind the open letter asking for a six month pause in AI development. Okay, so we know it's the future. It's not Elon Musk, it's not some other group, it's this group that's been around for quite a long time. Max Tegmar wrote a book published in 2017 titled Life 3.0, here's the book. It does a great job of explaining both the technical and the philosophical nuances of artificial general intelligence or AGI and how AGI differs from basic artificial intelligence. I used this book as the basis for my article in the February 2018 issue of The Dispatcher, that's the article, titled No Humanless Drive Without AGI. I sent Tegmark a copy of the article and received a very nice reply saying that he agreed with what I said and he liked what I wrote. So last year, the Future Network Car Symposium Program Committee decided that we were going to have a session on artificial intelligence in the FNC 2022 Symposium, which was held last March. They asked me to moderate it. I reached out to both Tegmark and Missy Cummings to take part. Unfortunately, Missy had to decline because she was working with NHTSA at the time and had speaking restrictions. But I never heard back from Tegmark. Maybe the fact that FNC doesn't pay honoraria put him off. But in any case, another MIT professor by the name of Brian Reimer, an expert in AGI, gave the keynote. It was an excellent primer on AGI. In that first session, I decided to focus the presentations and the discussion on AGI because it's the most difficult to understand, but it's going to be needed if humans are going to be taken completely out of the driver's seat. The conclusion of that session, that's last March, participants, the participants said, no, AGI is nowhere close to being ready for anything, especially for driving cars. I've summarized this year's session, FNC 2023, 
in this issue of the dispatcher, which I just sent out, Missy Cummings gives the keynote and she takes part in the panel where we discuss AI in current automotive applications. And the number of those applications is growing as I've explained in the, in the article. None of the sessions participants see any reason to halt development of automotive AI. On the opening page of the April issue, the one you just received, I relate what Musk said in response to the last question posed during his investor day. I don't know how long that lasted, but it was a, it was a long afternoon listening to all of the presentations. The question was, how do you see AI helping Tesla make cars? And he said, I don't see AI helping us make cars anytime soon. I'm a little worried about all this AI stuff. We need a regulatory body to do something to make sure AI operates in the public interest. Some is useful, like, of course, what we do with self-driving, not, not AGI. I'm afraid I did something to help it get going. I'm quoting what, exactly what he said. He was referring to his original investment in chat GPT, which apparently now he's regretting. Missy wrote a response. Open AI, I think, right? It's, it was open AI. It was before chat. That, the, 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 open the, open the, AI is responsible for chat GPT. GPT. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 He, I, he put, I, I don't know if we, yeah, just yeah, go. Yeah, okay. Missy wrote a response on LinkedIn to the letter from the Future of Life Institute saying we shouldn't be pausing anything. We should be doubling our efforts to educate people on what AI is and what it isn't. We should be helping people to understand, not act like self-declared experts who hold the key to knowledge. She's criticizing an all too common attitude among the anointed tech intellectuals. We get it, but it's too difficult for all you little people to understand. Missy's an educator. She takes every opportunity to further the understanding about this difficult topic. We need more organizations like ITU and UNECE who are willing to sponsor symposia that help to increase our awareness and understanding and more educators like Missy and you, Alan, who give of their time to spread knowledge. So there. Well, uh, thank you for that plug, Michael, and so on. Um, um, I think I tried to express where I am on the whole issue. Um, you know, we, we think we have an extraordinary uh, computer science department here at Princeton. And I know that 10 years ago, and I'm not in that department, I just sort of see it from the outside. I mean, I don't know that that they even offered a course in AI uh, simply because the concept of AI as AI, I think is somewhat understood today is just so far from anything having to do with intelligence that putting a, you know, a word in front of it and, and including the word intelligence just I guess I, I'm speaking, maybe I'm not speaking correctly for them, but, but it's just totally inappropriate, okay? There is an AI. I think we've evolved and now, you know, we discuss AI a lot more, probably because of the success of the deep learning um, uh, motif, let's call it, associated with it which is nothing but regression. You know, I mean, regression in statistics is, you know, you fit a, fit a function through a bunch of data, okay? And you then get coefficients for it and whatever, which is exactly what, you know, AI is. You sort of get data, you know, you, you get the two coordinates, you got a bunch of data and you put it, something through it. And, and you know, and the problem with all that is, is that, is that really intelligence? Does that have anything to do with intelligence? Does that have anything to do with the kinds of things that we can do in some sense? It can do a lot of things. It can do some nifty things. 
But my goodness, the, the, the aspects of, of what you need to be able to do, the context that we each put everything in, when we take information in and put actions out, is just so much richer, broader. And it's not just, hey, capture a bunch of data and put it through this function and let it give you the, the values that in, basically interpolate between the data that you have. I'm not I, 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 I wish I understood how the brain worked and did all of its magic that it does. But I, at least I'm personally, and I'm not a computer scientist, I'm not in the computer science department. But you know, when you when you look at you know the Turing test and fundamentals of that and so on and what it requires, it, it requires when we each have a conversation, we put it, we put that conversation, that information into our minds and relate it to to the biases that we happen to have and then do some responses. But it's a whole world knowledge, our own particular piece of the world knowledge that goes up against it. And you know, and first of all, I don't think ChatGPT, you know, is anywhere near any of that stuff. Yeah, we should do more of that. It can do a lot of things. It might be a label. Let, let SpaceX land a rocket. They landed another one, 180th whatever in a row that they landed. You know. Driving down the street, having a kid play out there in that street and a ball rolling out, you don't know whether it's a ball, it's a boat. I mean, that takes that takes some intelligence, I think, to be able Helen, to do that well. Isn't anyway, isn't so anyway, yeah, that's that's kind of where I sit on the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, well, I Go think ahead. you you sit where I think most people sit. They don't really they don't really think that what we're doing right now is with artificial intelligence and and let's forget about the fact that it was a bad name to give it back in the 1960s you know so forget about that part but it sticks like gps stuck with with uh, personal navigation devices we can't do much about it it's there right now and the fact that that there's a huge difference between artificial intelligence and artificial general intelligence they're not the same they're not even in the same they're not even in the same arena so we're talking what we're you you're on mute Alan. we're talking yeah they're not in the yeah. same arena agreed right so we're what 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 it's going to take to be able to drive cars without humans being in the loop anywhere is artificial general intelligence and and as i've said there isn't anyone who's working in this field or even thinks they're working in this field who believes that artificial general intelligence is gonna be around the corner anytime soon. And the applications that we have today for, for automotive applications, which is what I've tried to describe in this, this issue of the dispatcher, are quite good. They're artificial intelligence, they're very basic, and they're based on, on technology that's available and that, that we can work with. What these guys are saying, what the, what the Future, Future Life Institute and these people are saying is let's not take this too far before we've got everything in place that's necessary in order to ensure that, that it just doesn't get out of hand. And at the same time, but asking for a pause to say, you know, let's let's stop this until because we know that this is difficult and we can continue working on it over here, but everybody else have to, has to stop because they don't really understand it. That's what Missy's reacting to, and that's what I'm reacting to as well. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be educating. We should be providing all of the opportunities to educate people so that people know there's a difference between AGI and AI. And when we gave our, our session last year, at the at the future at mm -hmm. the future network carb, it was it was like well what's the difference nobody knew I mean the, AI is AI so we're going to be having there you know people are going to be driving cars without without humans in them and that's that's what AI is and that's what we try to explain then and that's what we try to explain this year you know furthering the knowledge but I agree with you people are going to continue to be confused for lots of reasons either because they don't want to understand it or they they just you know can't take the time to do it but we shouldn't stop trying to educate that's my point
Oh, absolutely. I, uh, well, I don't, I guess I, I'm hoping that uh, I, I didn't interpret the call to, to, to stop. Um, um, it is to, is because nobody knew what the, that you don't know what you're doing. We want to continue on. Uh, stop the hype around AI. No, stop overselling it. it. I mean, I no. think some folks are trying to sell it as, as, as artificial general intelligence. Yeah, that's they are. I, they I mean, are. That's what they're selling it at. And exactly. We have the same exactly. problem with with our with our terminology associated with smart driving cars. Which, I mean, why did I end up calling them smart driving cars in the first place? Mm. Darn it! The terminology is just leading a whole bunch of people to. I mean, you know, it, it's perfect to have to 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 misrepresent to overhype. To sort of say I can do this much, but I'll claim that much, and therefore I'll, you know, and whatever. And I think that that's that's what the heck we're now now faced with, <laughs> with Chat GPT. I mean, it's, it's I think ludicrous. all the all the hype, Alan and and Michael, all the hype surrounds yeah. what is referred to as generative. I guess AI is what they're calling it, which is uh, Google has barred, and and Microsoft with their Bing is incorporating the. <clears throat> BT and yeah. that's their investment and uh, people the, using that for search and to write papers none of your students alan but mm. there, there's a lot going on out there with how people are trying to use this they're writing press releases with it mm -hmm. sure yeah and they're 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 making animations and they're putting out fake news and they're doing all that stuff but i i think you know Anybody looking at this stuff says, you know, this has to be crap. I, I'm going to okay. say something really. I'm going to say something really nasty right now, and I'm, Good. You know, I'm, Good. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> if you get a lot of bad press, but there are people out there who are writing for newspapers and magazines and are and are are standing in front of of, of TV cameras, pretending that they're actually experts in an area when all they are are presenters or, or journalists and they and they talk just like chat gpt they've gotten some information they put it in front of them <laughs> they've, they've written yeah. it down and now and now they're an expert and they have blogs and they have they have all kinds of things where they're telling people you know this is what you, this is how you should live your life this is what you should be doing with your feet you know it there's, there's i don't see any difference between that <laughs> and what chat gpt is doing uh, I'm, but, sorry uh, I've, uh, I'm sorry if I've stepped on uh, Michael, toes, I might agree but... with you and so on and so forth. I, you know, um, I'm on sabbatical this year. And in some sense, I can't wait to get back in the classroom and, and you know, give my first assignment. And then I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to ask him. I, I've been wondering what, what the heck I'm going to ask him because it, it's usually sort of, you know, their perspective on something. Mm -hmm. And um, and I may ask him to write, to have chat GPT write it for him and then critique it. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Then, but, you know, so I'm, I'm sure one of them in the class is going to have chat GPT. If I do that, to have chat GPT write it and then, and then ask chat GPT to critique it too. So yeah. maybe we'll have to do a critique squared or something like that on it. Yeah. I, I don't know, but, but, uh, but um, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, Okay, it's now another tool to do stuff for us. You know, we used to have the, you know, you used to be able to go in the library and have a card catalog and pull out some drawers and be able to read some things that allowed you to go find books that might be in a whatever, you know. <laughs> I Have we really advanced much beyond that? I mean, it's somewhat more convenient. You ask Google to the D and it's- I don't ask Google anything. I, if, I, if I need something, I'll ask. I'll go to Wikipedia and then I'll, I'll okay. use the original, yeah, no, original, yeah. original sources. Yeah, okay. but, you know. Same difference. Yeah, and and yeah. I, I I do the Wikipedia thing too. I won't do Google. It, it is. Yeah, I think what, what it helps Bing? us. <laughs> and, mm, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and uh, uh, Elizabeth won't let me use Bing. You know, she says, "Never mind." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, back to, no, back this, to the this is this is such yeah. a critical issue, and and yes, and is. absolutely, Michael, it, it's it's wonderful what 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 you've brought out about this with respect to the kinds of things that 
we're trying to accomplish, which is trying to provide affordable mobility to folks mm-hmm. that's of some high quality. Unfortunately, <clears throat> to do really good things, you need some really good human brains in there working on it really well, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, to me, that's the way to do really good things. You know, find the really good creative people, the really good, motivated, dedicated da da dees, and boy, go to town. Okay. The issue is, is that they deserve to earn a lot, and therefore, it makes it non-inexpensive. Okay, yeah. and then at some point, you have to. You have to tuck your tail between your legs and say, sure wish I could do that for at scale for a lot of folks. But unfortunately, you know, when you when you look at the cost function, you know, what it's gonna cost you, you know, you know everybody there's there's labor in there. It's human labor in that cost function. And the thing to, to try to reduce that is to get rid of the human labor. I mean, what did we do with China? We went out and found a bunch of people who were willing to work for nothing to make gizmos for. So, you know, for the past who knows how many years, we had a bunch of stuff going across the oceans so we could have gizmos. And I could buy a pair of pants almost cheaper than, than to wash them. Just buy a bunch of pairs of pants. Not quite that bad, but you know. And what, what was that? Why? Because because we found labor that was cheap. And labor's gotten a little bit more expensive than that. And in the end, when we look at this stuff, labor labor's not cheap. And if you want to make it inexpensive, unfortunately, you got to figure out how to replace something. And and oh, I guess the other thing we should talk about is that. More, the founder of co-founder of Intel passed away this past week. Great obituary in the New York Times, but you know the whole Moore's Law business. I mean, the reason we have all these computers is, hey, we figured out how to. Even though that one might be a heck of a lot more expensive to make, we can like mass produce that without labor input. Each individual one that we then end up having ends up costing zero. And the next one that's twice as good costs half of zero. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Moore's law, I mean, best thing they ever, you know, but that's not the way labor works. Okay. And, and unfortunately, you know, I don't know, maybe there's another way. Maybe we can find a Moore's law with labor, but I don't know who's come up with Marx didn't come up with that. Engels didn't. <laughs> Who, you know, anybody? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I think the solution as far as labor is concerned is that we have to shrink everybody. (laughs) You see the movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? I mean, that's. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we. I mean, I I guess so. Although, you know, if if we were a third the size or a quarter of the size, you know, we'd we'd eat less and we'd cost less. So, because. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. That, that's yeah. the tough thing. And that's the tough thing. And of course, that's what you would like to have. You would like to have the gizmo replace the human. And, uh, you know, uh, you can put whatever nomenclature you want on that gizmo replacing the human doing it. But uh, whether that gizmo is going to have intelligence, Hal didn't have intelligence in 2001. Okay. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's a great subject. Well, but uh, well, we should continue to work on it. AI I mean, there's, being put yeah. to the test by a lot of uh, companies trying to do different things with it. And we'll, yep. I guess, see how that shakes out. But that is yep. not the AGI that uh, that certainly you were talking about. Yep. But, yep. but but even, even on the AGI thing, you know... <laughs> I even roll my eyes on some of that too. Again, because because I uh, 
part of the AGI says that we're going to put all knowledge or a large part of our knowledge base as the as the generalized knowledge platform. I think what's beautiful about us as individuals is that we all are biased. We all have our own experiences that we intertwine with our relationships. And it's our biases that make us interesting. I don't think there's anybody's... I don't really think okay. there's anybody, including Elon Musk, who thinks that it's going to be interesting to talk to a robot. I mean, and if I they can imagine, you know, and if they do find, I mean, okay, go someplace. But <laughs> I don't, I really don't think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the the issue of having robots drive cars as if they're humans. That's and that's artificial general intelligence. It's not, you know, it's not deep learning. It's not any. It's it's it's. It's having the capability to be able to, to, to make decisions. We're no, nowhere even close to, to being there. And the only thing that people like Tegmark and others, including Musk, are saying is, we don't know what's going to happen when we do get there. But before we do, let's make sure that we can this, the turnoff switch, the kill switch, is on the robot, not on the human, so that you know we can kill the robot before the robot kills us. But I think we've yeah. beaten this this horse today. I don't know what else I can say. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, not, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking that the, that the robot uh, will, will will just commit suicide. That would be nice. They'll 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 kill themselves. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, you know, because in the end, they're totally irrelevant. That's like a go ahead. And on we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great topic. Yes. Yeah, it's, yes Back yes, to yes. the dispatcher. Uh, yes. Michael, you, you have a headline. Uh, EU big three countries want to freeze the ice ban. I love your headline. <laughs> you like the headline. I like the headline, too. I, I just sort of just came in there. Um, ice meaning internal combustion engines. Internal combustion engines. Um, the, the EU thought it was... You know, home free had gotten everybody on board that they were going to ban the sale. And this is important to, to, to get a distinction. This is not good. They're not saying in 2035, all of the ICE vehicles, including my 2015 RAV4, which I which hopefully will be still running and I'll be still driving it in 2035, has to get off the road. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is that no car company can sell a car in Europe, within the EU and other countries that, that go along with it, can sell a car that runs on gasoline, petrol, or diesel fuel. That, that's, what, that's, this, that's what they're saying. You cannot sell a car in the, in the EU that runs on gasoline or diesel. So everybody supposedly agreed. And then they came to the point where they were going to, to approve this in a, in a, in a meeting of the ministers, transport ministers, and four countries, five, depending on how you count, said, hold on. Germany said, you have to allow cars to be sold after that date that run on zero emissions fuels, even though those fuels are not sorry carbon neutral fuels not not zero emission we want you to change this to be cars must be carbon neutral because we have cars and we have car companies that will that want to continue and companies that want and people who want to continue to buy cars that run on on that are not electric that aren't running on you know that are they're not battery electric vehicles and everybody's shocked what's going on what's happening we i thought we all agreed to this 2035 you know you got to stop and germany said we're not going to do it. And Italy said the same thing. And Poland said the same thing. And Romania and Hungary, they all said, no, we're not going to vote for this. And if they all got together, they this wouldn't have passed. So they all huddled. And as I said in the article, and I've said many, many times, the Leviathan does not give in. The, the Leviathan never loses. And the Leviathan is the European Commission. It's not the European Union. It's not the Parliament. It's the it's the European Commission. The European Commission had decided that 2035 
this was going to go through. And that was there was no other way that this was going to happen. So what happens? They get together. Germany says, you know, we're not, we're, we're not going to let this go. The alternative is e-fuels. They're called e-fuels. It's fuels that are produced using, not using petrol, not, not using oil, using biodegradable materials so that they are carbon neutral, but they do produce emissions of, of a very low amount of emissions when the cars are on the road. And they forced this through so that the real regulation would be as of 2035, you can sell cars with e-fuels. Now, what happens if all the if all the people producing ICE vehicles say, okay, we'll just start because you can run these, you can run these cars today with e-fuels. An old Porsche. Porsche will be able to run on this just like a new Porsche will be able to run on this. And Porsche was the, was the, the main, the, the guy behind the whole thing. But the, you know, the commission just, just can't do this. So all on Sunday night, the news, all the news reported, Germany caved in. Italy, everyone ignored. We got it through. No, they didn't. They said, then this, this is going to be really good. They said, the commission said, okay, we'll go out with an announcement saying we won, but we're going to come in with a new regulation after you've passed our regulation, which they haven't done yet, after you've passed our regulation to say we won, which will, meet, will allow e-fuels. And then we'll have to vote on that. And if we don't get that through, then we'll do something else. And, you know, Germany fell for it. I think Italy voted. Somebody, Poland voted against it. Three, three of the countries uh, didn't vote at all. They, they abstained from the vote. But that's the situation. Right now, if they vote for this, which I think they will, 2035, there will be no ICE vehicle, no internal combustion engines using petrol or diesel that can be sold. That's a long time from now. It's 12 years from now. And a lot can happen in 12 years. A lot happened in the last two years, so a lot can happen in 12 years. So we don't we don't really know what's going to happen. And this is only the EU. This is not the United States. This is certainly not China. It's not nowhere else in the world that, that this is people are talking about doing this. Uh, California has, I think, California has passed. They may have passed this law saying that no no ICE vehicles will be sold in California after 2035. I'm not really sure, but that's the situation. And I wanted to make that as clear as possible so people didn't think the EU just, you know, bulldozed this through and everybody else lost and there won't be any vehicles that can be sold other than electric vehicles after 2035. Internal combustion is a process in mm -hmm. which you basically have a piston in which you inject something it creates a high pressure and the piston moves. And it has to be ignitable. We can put the word ignition on there, but it puts something in there that does an expansion mm -hmm. and applies a pressure over the surface of a thing and that thing moves. That's what an internal combustion i mean engine does now that thing that creates the pressure that allows that piston to move and then is released and then you know does it again does it again which is what that thing does i don't know why does it have to be does it, I mean, we have to we have to get Fred Dreyer on this one, okay? But why does that have to be something? One of these carbon things or whatevers or whatevers? It could be something else. Yeah, that it's creates bio, that. Yeah, and it's this is okay. what they're saying. It's a biofuel. Yeah. It's not. It could be a biofuel. It could be yeah. I don't know hydrogen. I you know I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, one of the combustion guys can you know go talk about it. And, but, but whatever, as opposed to something that has 
wires running around it and a magnet and then puts an electric current through it and causes a jiggle and a jangle to mm-hmm. get it to turn. Yeah. The battery. Okay? I mean, you know, the, the, the battery. Yeah. And the battery and where that comes from and all that stuff. Well, there's an alternative. We know that there's an alternative to the to to how we get the battery to be charged, and that's that's instead of having electricity coming from outside, it's electricity generating inside with with hydrogen. That's another alternative. Sure, but that's another alternative, yeah. but that's still then driving the electric motor. Yeah, that exactly. hydrogen could be booming and and pushing a piston. I I don't know. I guess I, I have to ask whatever. Fred. Yeah. You know, okay, or, or some other. You know, thing Look, on the chemical chart. Why right? did the question we're getting? You know, the question you know, we New keep Jersey's on getting to too now, right? What's that? <laughs> New Jersey, the Governor Murphy has uh, ordered that uh, all cars be zero emission by 2035, as as well. So, and I think there are other states. You know, this, what what I think we've all we've been saying, and I, Fred is Fred Ryer, we, who. Definitely talking about this at, yeah. at great length. My point is only that I wanted to explain yeah. in the, in the yeah. issue what exactly happened. But when it comes to this issue, you know, why did we have to? Why do we have to go where where we went, starting back in the in the nine you know nineteen nineteen nineties when California said you know zero emissions means batteries. You know, it didn't have to be that way, but it was, and that that ended up into. You know where we got to with with uh, with Tesla, and then when Tesla said, you know, every, everything else is stupid; it's only batteries, mm-hmm. and you know, any, anybody else working on hydrogen, they're dumb. This is what this is what Musk. This is a language that Musk used. He said these kinds of things. You know, you're you're just you're half a brain if you're not working with battery electric vehicles. How can you be thinking about anything else? And instead of people realizing, he was just he was you know promoting his his solution because that's what he did. They all say, yeah. oh, yeah, he's right. You know, we've got to get on board with battery electric vehicles. And now we're spending huge amounts of money to, to, to pay people to buy BEVs. Okay. I mean, I, let's not go there because <laughs> we've had this discussion many times. Yeah, we've had. Yeah. 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 In the musing section of, yes. uh, of the newsletter, the headline is mind your own business, but know who your customer really is. And this is about the railroad industry and the car building business. Yeah. Uh, I've been wanting to write this this uh, for a long time, and I've been kind of pulling things together over the you know the last months or, or years, trying to get my head around this whole issue of, of of what it is that we're actually doing with with the, with the car business. Now there has been so many attempts during the last particularly during the last 10, 15 years of car companies saying, you know, we're now in the mobility business. We're now in the, and we're not, you know, we're, we're in the transport business or mobility as a service. You know, these, these are the sorts of things that, that people have been talking about of, you know, we're going to, we're going to move our company in, into this direction. Um, the um, Jacques Nasser back in 2000, 2001 or so before he was fired by by Bill Ford said you know our our cars are just going to be mobile mobile cellular phones on wheels he, they use the term cellular devices in, in the United States cellular phones on on wheels and so I, I wanted to to kind of compare this to to something that we've we have often said people refer to those who are not understanding what business they're in, and then they use the the, um, uh, the the railroads as an example of companies or an industry that thought they were in a certain business, but they weren't in. They weren't really in that business. They were in a completely different business. And they say, you know, what we're not in the we're not in the railroad business or they shouldn't have said that we're in the railroad business. They should have said we're in the, we're in the transportation business, but the railroads were never in the, they were never in the transportation business and they were never in the railroad business. And this is what I've tried to say in this, in this article, what the railroad, the business the railroads were in and they fell into after they 
deliver the coal that was their, their primary reason for getting started in the first place. They needed a way of getting the coal from the mine to a place where they could use it to do something. But once, they, once everyone realized what, what it is that they actually had, railroads went into the country building business. And it wasn't just in the United States, but the United States was because it was big and because it was unexplored and it was well, unexplored by, by the people who were, you know, who were living on the East Coast who wanted to get to the West Coast and create this, you know, this huge connected country. The railroads allowed them to do that. And the people who ran the railroads were in a position to be able to, to take all of the industry, all of the, the, the money and all of the, the brain power and to, to have the government behind it. Without the government, the, the railroads would never have gotten to where they were. But the, the, railroad, the railroads and the people who ran them understood that they were in the country building business. And they, they continued into that, in that mind frame up until the beginning of the First World War. And a lot of people don't realize that, that then after in, in, the, in the middle of the United States entering World War I, the, the railroads were nationalized. Not, not totally, but the, they were taken over by, the, by the, uh, the government because the government was concerned that they wouldn't be able to they wouldn't be able to use the railroads in the way that they needed to to you know, you know to, to take them through World War One, and then they gave the railroads back to them to the railroad companies after World War One. But the damage had already been done. You know, they they were hadn't been maintained, and they, a lot of things happened during that time. And and gradually during the twenties and the thirties, and particularly during the the depression, the people in the railroad business realized that they were no longer in the country building business. And the country had moved on. It's, you know, they were now building roads and they were starting to, to you know, coddle other groups of people who were now replacing them in the, in the railroad business, in the country building business. And you know, we, have this, we have a similar thing that occurred with the car companies because the car companies, particularly post-World War II, the car companies were also in the country building business. But it, they were doing it in, at a smaller scale. They were doing it around the cities. They weren't. They weren't, didn't have to expand across the country because that, that, in a way, that had already happened. But then in the fifties, when we started building the the, um, the interstate highway systems, you know, they 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 were that with the trucking, particularly trucking, beginning to take over from the from the railroads. The trucking and and cars. They were the country, you know, behind the country's expansion, you know, this dynamism of the, of the United States. And the, the point is that a company like Tesla, which is a, it, I think is a very good example. Everybody, while everyone, all of the car companies are saying, you know, we're in the transport business and we're in this business and we're in that business. And Tesla, if you, if you watch their, their investor day, the only message that they were giving except for Elon Musk, you know, who went off in a couple of directions a few times, but everyone else was saying, we're in the car business. We're in the car making business. Now we're gonna sell cars that people wanna drive. We're now, we're gonna sell 2 million of them this year. And who knows when he, Musk came on, he said, you know, that's the, the, the number of cars we can sell is, is unlimited. We can, but we think we can sell 20 million cars. Nobody sells 20 million cars today. Volkswagen and Toyota sell 10 million cars, but nobody sells 20 million cars. And here's this little company that didn't even exist 20 years ago, who says, you know, we're going to sell 20 million cars. And, and the, the you know, demand for our cars is unlimited. We, we can sell as many as we want if we could produce them. They're in the car business, the car building business. And unless people who are in the car building business understand that if they're not in the car building business, they better be in some business that's either going to get a lot of subsidies from the government, you know, like battery building or charger building or something building. But as far as I know, there isn't anybody who's making a huge amount of money by being in the bus building business. 
or being in the bus running business for some some reason that we we're going to probably discuss at greater length when we get to to uh, Princeton in in uh, in May at the Smart Driving Car Summit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a lead in to, to the to the summit because that is something that we really do want to discuss. You know, what business is who in? Yeah. For what? Okay, and I think what is becoming clear, at least to us, trying to put together a program for this thing is that uh, is that is that in a sense the mobility business has to be a mobility business and 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 to provide mobility if that's really what we're trying to do to individuals we probably need, need some folks to be in the vehicle building business because we're probably going to use vehicles and and then mm -hmm. that that's an undertaking in and of itself which is non-trivial and then somebody else is going to be in, uh, you know, provide the mobility, the service, let's call it the service end of the business. that's actually going to deliver that. And it may be us as individuals, as we do today, we go out and buy the car and we, we deliver that for ourselves. And then we undertake all the responsibility of the insurance, the maintenance, the, the whatever, and so on and so forth, making sure everybody's happy as they can be. And if they're not, we get our hands slapped and we have to pay the fine and we go to jail and all that stuff. Um, or it's going to be somebody who's going to take these vehicles and somehow put them out there such that when we want to use them, like when we use an elevator, we just hop on it and use it. And maybe it's going to extract some payment from us, or maybe it's going to extract payment from another's or somebody, but you know, there's a business around the provision of that service. I guess the, the, you know, taking an elevator, the, you know, the, uh, that's that's uh, there's an elevator company but somebody's gone out there and purchased that and agreed in return to be able to keep it running and maintain it and operate it and house it in the building and get it fixed and uh, get the fireman there when it gets stuck and all the other stuff that goes along with it the, the, whether or not they extract that payment from us or the, the, the people that you go to visit you know that's that's a detail in 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 the business arrangement it has to be a business yeah well there's no business in elevators the business in elevators and operating elevators is is to get people in the building every every building owner every building operator people who run the buildings run the elevators there's no there's no elevator, you know, public elevator service. Well, but I, I'd argue there is a business in elevators. It's to it's make making the, the, the building owner happy. You know, it's to make the building owner a hero. That's the business that it's in. Okay. Okay. And, and, and because it does its job so darn well, that owner is allowed to charge who knows what rent for on the 14th floor. Okay, without the elevators, he couldn't get people to get to the floors, right? Unless right. they were willing. Absolutely, to, I agree. Unless they were yeah. willing, unless they were willing to walk up the stairs. Absolutely, and, right. and that's zero. So therefore, that that building owner is like in deep caca. Yeah, <laughs> but if we didn't have elevators, it doesn't mean we wouldn't have buildings, and we would, doesn't mean we wouldn't have people working in buildings. We just wouldn't have tall buildings. We wouldn't have tall buildings. Yeah. Unless yeah, everybody no, yeah, was Superman. Yeah, yeah, yes. And of course, we wouldn't have, they might be spread out all over the darn place. And now we yeah. could have high speed trains going back and forth between them. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'd, have, we'd have, you know, yeah. You know, we'd, yeah. yeah. Have moving, moving sidewalks. Moving sidewalks. Yeah. Yeah. But in order yeah. for people to get from one place to another, and, and we, you know, it's not like we're just walking around the building, cities are big. And, and people don't just live in cities and, and work in cities. They, they live in different places and they work in different places and they have, yeah. have to get to, to lots of different places. People live in Tretton and they work in, in Newark or they work in New York or they work yeah, in they're, they're Philadelphia. They're networks. They're, they're, yeah. they're 2Ds. They're spatially this way and, you know, and maybe even a little chunk going that way too. So somebody who's going to be in the, in the 
in the getting people to their the place they want to go business and and the bus companies claim that they're in that business right now but we know that they're not they're not able to do what they need to do and earn enough money to be able to to do what they need to do because they have one huge cost in every bus and that's the driver that's what we argue yeah. right and, and we need so to take the, the the way to get away from that shackle or that whatever whatever that cost gotta replace it with something who can do almost as good a job be great if it could do a better job mm -hmm. but we won't i don't even think we should aspire to that because again we are pretty damn good when we want to be <laughs> mm -hmm. and when we get paid enough to be okay some bus drivers are better than others but hopefully the people who are driving buses are you know are are they're damn chosen. they're damn good chosen. absolutely yeah. they're dedicated and whatever they they're they they want to feed their families and all that stuff and they're appreciative of their job and and they have a a commercial driver's license yes you no know? they have a cdl which then you know that's like almost a phd they're good but they're expensive, darling. so therefore they can't do as much as, and they're and and unfortunately some people can't afford to pay it to get done they what afford... they would very much like to get done. Yeah, but the 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 payments that pe people make to bus on a bus, a bus fare, is such a small percentage of what the actual bus operation Absolutely. costs. And it's all and everything. The reason they're out there is because they're getting subsidies from the from the city, from the county, from the state, from the federal government. And this isn't just in the United States. It's everywhere. Yeah. And, and that subsidy can only go so far and only provide service to certain between certain places at certain times. It's not infinite. If it was right. infinite, then you could cover the whole set. No problem. But it is very limited. Yeah. And the fact that it's very limited means that if you can't do one, if, if one of those doesn't satisfy what you need at that time, you're hosed. Exactly. You're walking the steps to the 14th floor. There's no elevator. Good luck. Okay. We should remind people, Alan, that the dates for the summit uh, the sixth annual uh, smart driving car. Yep. We're starting on Monday instead of Tuesday this time and Monday night through Wednesday. And, 22nd through um, 24th of May. 22nd through the 24th of May. We're going to discuss what kind of businesses do we need? I mean, if, if, if one is going to provide this mobility to these places where the subsidies aren't enough to be able to provide the mobility in those times and spaces, because we're dealing with a dimension that, that's 2D in space and a continuous D zero to 24 in time. That's, that's a volume anywhere, right? Because that's sort of the way we, we end up. And we've sort of ended up having our land use that way. Why? Because many of us have access to a car, and guess what the car can do? It can go between most of those places at almost any time. It sits out there and waits for us. So if you're in that group of folks, you're like, you know, fat and happy. If you're not there in the set of folks that doesn't have that, you're now stuck with whatever the subsidy amounts can afford the little threads within that 3D space. And most of it's empty. So how do you fill it? Well, you have to have the subsidies go farther and to have the subsidies go farther. Unfortunately, you have to may have to do it without the use of people. Because then you to do it, if it, each one of them needs people, you're going to have to need a whole host of more people to fill the space. But you can't afford to pay them. So you have to find a substitute. I think. I mean, that's how we end up getting to where we are. and you know, the kinds of things that we propose, but then you have to be in the business of, of delivering that. 
And somebody's got to be in the business of making the vehicles that actually can do that. And the thing that sort of replaces the human, at least a little bit, or, or enough. So it's not just, oh my goodness, it's not a train wreck out there. And I guess in a simple term. So that's what we're going to try to deal with. And, and, and it's, you know, who's going to do which piece? And if you look at the folks that are out there doing the things that sort of have motivated this technology up to the, 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 this concept up to this point, it seems like it's amazing. It seems like they're really not in the vehicle building business. And they're not in in the mobility delivering business. So in the two big businesses, as I like to say, you know, Boeing builds airplanes that United Airlines buys and puts a service concept on top of it that I go hop on and get between Newark and L.A. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the bit. United Airlines, I guess it's gone bankrupt a couple of times or whatever, but it's kind of a business. Does it have subsidies from the government? Yeah, we can find all kinds of, yeah, but not, not a whole heck of a lot. Okay. And they provide that. And Boeing, same thing. Did they get help from the government? Heck yeah. They built, you know, bombers in World War II to allow them to, you know, we can, you know, and say got help from the government. A lot of subsidy, but it's a business. Okay easy to identify in the people moving business especially in this driverless technology with ai or whatever we want to call it that goes in there and figures out how to not hit something you know it it doesn't seem that that really it's it's the, the people that make vehicles doing it nor is it really the people that 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 have businesses that move people doing it. Not trans it's not coming out of transit companies. Okay. And it's really not coming out of GM. Sure, GM owns crews, but it's coming out of a out of a who knows what supplier to to a tier one way down in the bowels that's grabbing that tail. And seemingly trying to wag that dog, maybe. You know, how much time time do we want to talk about this? Yeah, we want to talk about this. Yeah, and we now we're going to spend we're going to spend a summit talking about it. Yeah, but I think we need to focus it as as well because yeah, we need to. There are bus there are bus companies. You know why are not why are the bus companies not doing this? We can and let's let's discuss why they're not doing it. Yeah, don't I don't see any bus companies out there who are hopping on this bus and and looking at taking taking this this as a as a as a business operation. There are companies. This, the one down in Florida. What's the name of the the company that that's that's operating a, a shuttle bus? That says that, that says they have uh, driverless May, May Mobility or May something. Mobility. Or? Yeah, May yeah. Mobility. So May, so a company like May Mobility is operating a service in a limited area. Now, you know why isn't it why isn't it New Jersey Transit? Why isn't it why isn't MBTA in in Boston? Why aren't these organizations coming up with this and saying you know we're not really solving the problem of the people who are riding our buses? We're in the bus we're in the bus business. We're in the bus operation. We're in the train operation. We're in the trolley operation business. But we're, what we really should be doing is we're in the business of providing transport to people who need to get places all over in our region. You know, and and it needs to be affordable. It needs to do what they need to do, when they need to do it. And they're not able. They're not able to do that because they're working with buses and they have certain costs, and the budget is just not big enough. I guess. I mean, take Mooney in San Francisco. You take. They're Mooney supposed. To, they're supposed to be responsible for moving people throughout San Francisco. Yeah, but so is MBTA. So is the New York Transit. This MBTA you know, is the all same all thing. Yeah, New, all... MTA in New York. Yeah. Okay, yeah. they're not just a subway. Cool. They shouldn't just be a bus. 
They should be in, uh, unless they just say, hey, in this 3D space, time, more than, we're only going to cover these little filaments. And we'll let the other void, manana. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Really? It seems like, oh, but this we're going to be multimodal, and therefore we're only going to deal with the mode of the, of the choo-choo and, 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 and the bus. Yeah. Okay. Really? What about this other thing that could allow you to begin to fill that space? In other words, provide even more service to more people. And guess what? You might be able to, if you can figure it out, you might be able to make money on this. And you won't have to ask for as many alms for the poor. But well, it the seems alms for as the poor is none the, of the, the poor is the bus the poor the poor is the bus <laughs> company, and the alms is going to into their pockets, not going into the pockets of the riders. <laughs> I understand. But what we what yeah. we really want to do, and and what we've been trying to do now, and I think we're at a point where we can get this to begin to happen, is to get someone somewhere inside i don't know inside the department of transportation inside mbta inside mooney inside some of these places and say you know there is an alternative where we can actually do the job that we're we're set up to do we're not set up to run buses we're not set up to to run trains we're set up to to get people from where they are to where they they need to be if they don't have and can't drive their own car you know, and they've, what they've done, what all of these organizations have done is said, the problem is the car. We've got to get people out of the car and into the buses. They get them into the buses and the people say, I can't get to where I want to go when I want to get there. So, right. I mean, this is exactly, you know, they're, they're asking for something, but they're not providing the solution. And what we're trying to say to them is there is a solution. It's not there right now. You need to start to work with us to get to where the farmers are with John Deere to get to where the miners are with Komatsu and, and the other folks who have seen the problem, yeah. the problem being either the person is in danger who's driving those, or we can't get people enough people to be able to drive those tractors when we need those tractors to be driven and at a cost that we can afford. We don't want to get stuff, you know, we don't want to buy things from places that are cheap. We want to be able to produce them here, but we have to be able to produce them at the right price. And this is the same problem with getting, with transport. We need to be able to deliver transport to people at an affordable price, but actually does the work, does the job that, that they need to have done, which is get to me, get me to my job, to where I want to work so that I can feed my family. And if you can't do that, then you're not, you're not providing the service. Yeah, but but my fear on all that is that they have an answer for us. Okay, uh, they don't want they, do. they don't they don't they don't think that that what we think a way to do it is to you know Moore's law. Yeah. Okay, what do they think? They think micro mobility. Oh, you just give them a scooter and an electric bike, and they'll be just fine. Thank you, and you know we're out of here. I I don't know. I mean. I, I, they're they're I, in the micro mobility business you know, I, now. I, I Why? Took, because I took photographs. I don't know. It just drives me nuts. Sorry, we were in, we were in Stockholm the last couple of days, <laughs> and it it snowed in Stockholm, and and nobody 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 plows the streets, nobody plot, nobody cleans the sidewalks, and the scooters the scooters were just in piles covered with snow. <laughs> you know, let them let them ride scooters, let them eat cake. I mean, you know, it's it's the answer we're going to get. Bread and circus. You know, yeah. it, it's it's well, it doesn't cost them anything, and then they can just move on. Hey, it's your exactly. problem now. Here, you know, and, and by the way, go up that stairwell for those fourteen floors. We're not giving you an elevator either. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Alan, the website for more information about the summit, where this discussion and much, much more will continue, is cartsmobility.com. That's where you're going to yeah. find all the info for it. And we hope right. uh, 
see many of you there. Um, there were a couple of other headlines we were going to get to, but maybe yeah. we're out of time. I mean, if you want to talk about the Ford's yeah, CEO. just a couple real quick. We right. have, we have to. I have to make right. a couple of comments here, uh, right? I mean, otherwise, Ford, people. Ford CEO Jim Farley, in an interview with Bloomberg, said the company's next electric truck coming in 2025 will allow you to go to sleep in your truck or make a call, do whatever, while it drives you on a sunny day on the highway. Um. You're shaking your head. Oh my goodness! I mean, what? What did he just go to Elon University or something like that and learn that? I mean, totally irresponsible. Bill Gates also making some headlines here in the in the newsletter. Uh, in his blog post, Gates notes he has a headline: "My trip around London in an autonomous vehicle," and this was in a a, a wave vehicle. And and you read this, and again, you were shaking your head. I mean, I, I always have the highest respect for Bill. I mean, I, absolutely, without a doubt. But, but boy, I mean, he needs to go back to DOS or something. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> what he rode around in, I mean, Waymo could do 10 years ago easily. I mean, he, it even says in there that the safety driver had to take over several times. I don't know what the definition of several is, but guess what? If, if that entity wasn't there, Bill, you might not be here any longer anyway, because there's nobody there to take. You got to be able to do this without taking over. Okay. <laughs> that, that gets back to the whole challenge of this thing that we talked about at the beginning. This is a non-trivial. You can't do this, you know, so many, so many. You got to, you got to. <laughs> So it's not an auton aut autonomous. Look up the definition. So as I, as I think I put in the in the newsletter, you know, it's well, it's like when Bush Senior went to uh, some grocery uh, exhibition uh, show and, and saw a scanner in 1992 and said, "Oh my goodness, this thing really can figure out what." what this product costs and and charge it up uh, at the right price. I mean, scanners uh -huh. have been used in grocery stores for 20 years. He had never, I mean, Bill, this stuff's been around for a while at the level that you, you were uh, riding around in, in, in London. Okay. And, and what, if the attendant had to disengage, which is what we call it, and take over the whatever driverless system during your trip, it is nowhere near prime time in that operational design domain, even if it is on a sunny day. And Bill and, and Ford, with respect to whatever system you have, if I fall asleep in that lightning and something happens, Boy, you better be there to bail me out and make me whole. And I don't think you're willing to do that. That's where I stand. A fitting way to, to park this edition. Um, Michael, <laughs> thank you again for spending time with us. And My pleasure. Terrific. As always. The website for The Dispatcher is Michael L. Senna, S-E-N-A. Com. Thank you to CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, for helping to make this podcast possible. CARTS is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. You can find us, of course, at smartdrivingcar.com. Also on Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, Amazon, wherever you turn to for podcasts, your smart speaker can play us too. Don't forget to check out cartsmobility.com for more on the upcoming summit. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening or watching. Please continue to stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.